You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Comedy podcast looking back at This Week in History. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can find us and or message us over on Facebook and Instagram using TWWWBLY. Welcome back to Twibbly, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he's going to color me his color, baby. Color me his car. It's Mr. Jeff McLarge. That's a lot of colors. I don't know what that means. It, it's one of those uh, those paints that change color in the sun that oh, I don't want okay. on my car. My I cars see. are gray and gray only. Everybody knows that. <laughs> it's gray. It's the gray. You are the gray Honda specialist. I am. All right, so uh, this is going to be another Best of Twibbly episode, but before we go and uh, pat ourselves on the back, uh, let's update everybody. How are we doing? What's going on? How are you feeling, uh, Jeff? I, I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling good. I have a follow-up with my regular primary care guy later uh, this week, mm-hmm. and it should be okay. The, med- the new medications that they put me on, I seem to have adapted to well, and I'm feeling good and energetic and excited and feeling yeah, you wonderful sound, you sound a lot better yeah um uh you know every every footstep you get away from being dead is uh is is i think makes you a little happier so i've definitely have been have been feeling good for the last week or so so yeah, there's that you ever see a you ever see a morose zombie oh <laughs> actually all of them but yeah <laughs> yes but there are days where i am like bub from day of the dead with my headphones on just drooling but try uh, to shave, yeah. Not not so much, yeah. Not so much after that. So I was not the only thing that died over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I got home and the the day after I was released from the hospital, my dishwasher died. I had a, Jeez. a my dishwasher was like ten years old, so I suppose it's not unusual. That's it? Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever put a dishwasher in, Bill, but it sucks and it's no fun. And I said, I may have even invented some new swear words because God knows I am not a handy guy. Yeah. uh With that, I have lots of tools, but most of them are a mystery to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, like I I need somebody in a tool crib to tell me what they do. And I don't have space for a tool crib in my basement. Ultimately, I bought a new washing machine and installed it myself because the way it works in New Hampshire is to have a washing uh, dishwasher installed. You have to hire a licensed plumber unless you do it yourself. Yeah. And I was like, hiring a licensed plumber is going to cost me half as much or more than it costs for this stupid dishwasher. I'll just do it myself. And then all the union dues and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. Yeah, I did. Uh, But like it took like four and a half hours. Ian helped me and uh, we finally got it in. And it's 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 very nice to have one that works good. But man, what a pain in the ass that was. So I have a question. Okay. You have to hire a licensed plumber to put it in. Correct. Or you could do it yourself. Right. What is the third option? There is no third option. So it's it's homeowners don't need to hire someone if they're going to do it themselves. But if they're mm-hmm. if they're going to have somebody else do it, they have to be licensed. It's like when I had my stove fixed. I could either fix the parts myself and ultimately probably die of carbon monoxide poisoning, 
or I could have uh, somebody who is a specialist who comes in and does it for me. That's okay, to connect and like, disconnect the gas stove. So, right. If I go in and I say, "Oh yeah, I can do it," I put it in and then I flood your whole house up. Then you try to sue me, and you're like, "I can't. I'm not going to pay you." Well, at that point, I, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be able to sue you, but I would probably be able to haunt you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a liability thing. And if I die because right. I'm dumb and don't know how to do it, and it kills me, that's my own fault. But if a plumber, somebody else does it, then they're liable. So, and licensure ensures that people who come and do this kind of work aren't. What is this? What is this? what do these three wires do? <laughs> you know, and then they, they defibrillate <laughs> themselves on my kitchen floor. All right, let's get on to the best of Twibley. All right. All right. What do we got for the twenty sixth? June twenty sixth, twenty eighteen. The Hello Kitty bullet train is unveiled by the West Japanese Railway. That must be adorable. Hello Kitty. Yes, it, I, as I believe that you know, it probably costs three times as much as riding on any other train or non Hello Kitty train. But you know what? It doesn't matter because you're going to pay it anyway. Just like anybody else who's ever walked into a Sanrio store with like a kid next to them. How much is that pencil? Eight fifty for one pencil. Right, give me two. Here's seventeen dollars. <laughs> Because you're going to buy it anyway, because Hello Kitty is just one of those things. And they'll also brand anything. So, uh, so it's created, created by Yuko Shimizu. And I remember, it was probably about 10 years ago now. I mean, life just goes by so fast on the internet. But I remember, like, he came out and said that Hello Kitty was not a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It, Peter it's, Chris it's, is not a cat either. He's the drummer from Kiss. Stop being <laughs> difficult. <laughs> what I like is that even though its name is Kitty, and it looks exactly like a cat. <laughs> but uh, I'm not kidding when I say they'll brand anything. There used to be a Sanrio store that I would save my spare pennies, dollars, and quarters for to take Meg to when she was very little. And we would go in and buy, like, a sticker book for $10 or something. And I never complained because it, she really enjoyed it. She thought it was cute. I thought they were cute. It was a fun thing to do. They literally sold anything that had a Hello Kitty logo on there. I saw there there was a toaster. That's not unusual. Right. Thermos, par for the course. Clothes, you got to expect that. Crosscut shredder. A what now? What? The, the, the Hello 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 Kitty crosscut shredder, and I asked the lady, like, does it shred the paper into little Hello Kitty shaped confetti? She said, no, it just has a Hello Kitty sticker on the bin. So and when I you're said, busy destroying government documents okay. for safety purposes, you can look adorable <laughs> doing it. Right. <laughs> so uh, Hello Kitty crosscut shredder. They, I'm sure that there's also like a Hello Kitty emergency defibrillator kit, and if not, there should certainly be a Hello Kitty dog neutering surgical table. So I, I don't know that they're they're friggin' everywhere. It's it's great, and I think that f- as far as branding goes, that that they are brilliant, and I love them for it. So sign me up for the train. And I know, I know there is. There is actually a Kiss Hello Kitty like cross marketing thing. Oh, you know yeah, it. No, there, there is. I'm not even making I can, that I can already hear Gene Simmons. Yeah. Oh. I, I know, but I, what I want to know is, like, did Gene Simmons go to them or did they go to Gene Simmons? Because they're, like, effectively the exact same entity, just on different edges of the I world. I think they just appeared to one another like the force. <laughs> so in June of 1994, June, June 27th of 1994, Aerosmith, remember them? Yes. 
Aerosmith, a band who's, who's transcended a, a half a century now yep. in, in making records, released a track from the recording sessions for their album Get a Grip called Head First on CompuServe for free if you typed in Get Aerosmith in their earliest attempts at a web browser. And it would go and download um, a 4.3 megabyte wave file to your computer over about 90 minutes. And then you'd have this those, Aerosmith song. Those are the days. About 10,000 10, people did it in a couple of weeks, making it one, the first song that was electronically downloaded being released by a band and a record company, Virgin Records. Yeah. And then it was the one that had the most, simul not simultaneous, but the most downloads in a, in, a, in a measured period. Very interesting that they were able to sort of grab, grab onto that. Yeah, 1994. Uh, in 19, that early and and the song itself um head first doesn't appear on the record it's not on get a grip but it's like one of the you know bands always record an extra five or six songs and then they pick out of the the group that they they have what's going to be on the record unless they're the smashing pumpkins and then or <laughs> guns and roses but you can go and still listen to the song in its original like i'm not sure what it was encoded in for digitization but you can hear it on youtube and it still sounds really good and it's a good good song aerosmith uh, up until at one point was actually on my worst concert list <laughs> I, really? Yeah, I saw them on the Pump tour, and it was just it wasn't it wasn't very good. But uh, I did see them later on. I saw them as a as a part of the River Rave, which was like a you know a festival show, and they were yeah. they were late. You know they were they were ended up being like twenty minutes late for the for their slotted time. But when they well, they were probably at the early bird special at yeah. like the, the Chuck Shine Inn. Yeah. So when they finally did go on though, no, they were fantastic when they when they played that time. But when I saw them in nineteen eighty eight, yeah, I was I was disappointed. I think 88 was at their their peak of their like lousy years. They were just starting to crawl back out into the public consciousness after that, right? Well, yes, yeah, yes and no. Like uh, they broke up in the 70s and then yeah. then they got back together in the mid 80s. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. I can't remember the name of the first comeback album. It was like 85, I think 85 or 86. And then they came out with Permanent Vacation. And Permanent Vacation did yeah. very very well. And I really like that album. I was just I was saying to you at the beginning of the show before we went on that if you take all the singles out of like the the worst songs on that album are the singles. All the right. all the deep cuts on that album are fantastic. All right, the twenty eighth. I've had some pretty weird ones, and most of mine have been like hundreds of years old today. Mm -hmm. This one is no exception. June twenty eighth, eighteen twenty. The tomato was proven to be non. Tomato. Suck my. <laughs> <laughs> The tomato was proven to be non-poisonous by Colonel Robert Gibbon eating a tomato on the steps of a courthouse in Salem, New Jersey. What year? Can you? 1820. So tomatoes have only been considered not poisonous for 200 years. Like up until then, people weren't eating them. Apparently people, that was like such a, so what we both worked at Ren Fairs. Uh -huh. um, we were supposed to like, if anybody was eating ketchup or like, you know, pizza, because we're, you know, we're supposed to be from the Renaissance and yeah. ooh, weird stuff. We're supposed to be like, don't you know that's poisonous? But I'm like, I feel like us walking up to people who are eating food at an event are not going <laughs> to take a member of the staff feasibly walking up and going, that's poisonous, don't eat it. Like, that's not going to have a good outcome. Waffle fries are poisonous? What the hell? Right. Yeah. Do you like tomatoes? I love tomatoes. Most guys don't. I've noticed. Uh, yeah, I I mean obviously tomato sauces and stuff like that, that's all fine. Yep. But but like tomatoes in their pure form. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. It's like and people give me that argument all the time like you like ketchup, don't you? It's like, yeah, I also like chicken. Doesn't mean I like eggs. Yeah. I have a thing about tomatoes and I the reason why I think I don't like them, I don't I don't like the throwaway it's a texture thing, although that yeah. is part of it. But my mom used to grow tomatoes in the backyard. 
And my mom used to eat them like they were apples. It's disgusting. <laughs> but one thing about tomatoes is, have you ever had a tomato garden like at your house? Did you yes. Want, yes. So you've seen tomato worms. <laughs> I knew that's where this was going. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Next question. Have you ever seen a tomato worm anywhere else but near tomatoes? I don't think so. Yeah. You know why? Why? Here's my theory. They oh, don't... my God. Wait, listen. I know you're... No, you don't know where I'm going. Is this like okay. a bottle of tequila where they're in the tomato? No. <laughs> okay. No, but yes. Okay? okay. This is why we can't decide on whether tomatoes are fruit or vegetables because they're neither. They're freaking space pods is what they are. <laughs> and those are aliens from another freaking planet, okay? Because they don't exist in nature. They exist in your tomato garden nowhere else. And those things are from outer space. They look like massive inchworms. They don't look like anything. And they get that like little like unicorn thing. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Disgusting. No, keep them. Keep. That's and funny. that's the very thought that if you throw that, in a, you know, like you throw their space pods in a blender to make your ketchup and they're in there somewhere. I know they are. Yeah. It's a tomato hornworm, by the way. It's a freaking Martian is what it is. Yeah, they're they're very strange. They're yeah. very strange looking. They're. I remember the first time I saw one in person. Mm-hmm. You know, they also lay their eggs on their back. <laughs> they carry their eggs around on their back. Oh, oh little, I thought like, you meant like they laid pods. their eggs on their back, like in the missionary position. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, they're they're horrifying little things. I don't completely disagree with your theory here. I mean, I can see, I, I I get it. They're caterpillars, but they're so scary looking. Like it's just bizarre. I was telling that theory to somebody one time, and they were like, "Oh, so you don't eat corn either, do you?" And I was like, "Don't even say it." They go, "No, no, there's corn worms like that too," and I'm like, "No." There is. Yeah, apparently. Hold on, let me Google that real quick. Oh my god, the corn earworm. Yeah, I was just, I was like, it looks very similar. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm like making the the face oh. like uh, Donald Sutherland in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Holy crap! I'm looking at pictures of them and their destruction. Hold on, they are aggressive and bite. They're aggressive. Yep. Unlike their docile cousins, the tomato worm. They lay their eggs in corn silk. On their back or what? <laughs> <laughs> they I mean... lay the, no, they lay their eggs in doggy style. <laughs> We're going to call it caterpillar style from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Caterpillar style, baby. (laughs) I think they both turn into hawk moths, which are scary as though. I'm terrified of moths. Hawk moths? Yeah, I have a friend. She works at Caterpillar Lab in New Hampshire, and uh, they work with all kinds of bugs. And she's she's been an expert on bugs forever, my friend Courtney. Don't you ever, ever introduce me to this girl. (laughs) In addition to being afraid of every animal that walks the planet... I hate moths so much. Oh my God. They're the devil. Like I have they're the worst. I hate them. They freak me out so much. I have yellow light bulbs on my porches just because I can't stand moths. Does that work? Like a charm. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Yellow light bulbs. There needs to be a network of moths. Like people who are terrified of moths. Cause I've met plenty who can like know that fact. Cause I didn't know that. Yeah. We need a subreddit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, when they get on your neck, come on! Chandler knows how scared I am of moths, and I just finished telling somebody how much they freaked me out because I was outside, and a moth tried to fly into my ear. It just flew oh. right at my ear. Chandler just started dying laughing because she knows how much I hate them. I just talked about how much I hated them. She'd already heard this before many times, 
and then one tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> like when I found out about the yellow uh, light bulbs, I was like, no, it can't be that simple. Because I was right? either going to buy light bulbs or boxing gloves because seriously, I hate moths so much. Especially right. winter moths. Screw those little bastards. And then you said hawk moth. I'm just picturing one with like a, a wingspan, like an albatross. <laughs> they're just really big moths. Some of them are actually kind of cool looking. They're, they're not like the regular gross, dusty butterfly kinds. Mm. They're like really beautiful colors and they look more like butterflies. Some of those are cool. I, I'm kind of okay with that. Like a luna moth. Fine. You're pretty. Stay the hell away from me. But I'm fine. But the regular like just dusty looking moths just creep me out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no. Yellow light bulbs. They'll, they'll go find somebody else's porch. That's a great idea. I'm going to do that. Next up. June 29th, 1920. Stop motion animation pioneer Ray Harryhausen, special effects artist who, who redefined special effects and science fiction filmmaking in the 1960s and 70s, and a little bit earlier than that even, uh, is born. He died in 2013, but he was his Im- influence has still is still being felt in science fiction films today. All right, name a couple of things that he's done so that we know who you're talking about. Clash of the Titans. Oh. So working sort of backwards. Clash of the Titans, that's him. Yeah, the yeah. whole release the Kraken, that's him. Yeah. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, uh, Black Scorpion, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Well, you, you had me a Clash of the Titans. Yeah, I've seen that movie a bunch yeah. of times. Yeah, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, which the nineteen ninety eight Godzilla was based on. Right, and they did a remake of Clash of the Titans like not that long ago, and everybody was like, "No, you don't need that. We've got it." Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and and really like and and really that was a lot of the criticism. Like, no, no, that this is you know, no matter what you do, it's not going to be. It's paced differently for sure, but it's not going to be as good as the original. Not one. only that, it's Greek mythology. You could call it something else. You could just make another movie about Greek mythology. All right. Moving on to June the thirtieth, nineteen seventy-seven. The rock group Kiss releases its comic book put out by Marvel. The big selling point on this one is the boys in the band went to the Marvel printing press and they donated a vial of blood each and they added it to the red ink. So if you got the Kiss comic book, whatever ink was on the page that was in red contained a little bit of Kiss's blood. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Which is gross in 2022. Yes, I am you know, pretty sure that I'm going to say this. She's I don't know if she's a fan of the show, but I'm still friends with her. My babysitter, <laughs> her brother was a ginormous Kiss fan, and I'm pretty sure he had that comic. Oh, I know. I picked it up and looked at it in the store. I have this memory, this vague memory of my mother saying, like, don't touch that book with your hands. <laughs> yeah, it came out in 1977. It was $1.50, which is pretty pricey for comic books in 1977. I think they were still about like 35 cents normally at that time. Yeah, if even that, right. That's a lot of jingle to be parting with. As big of a Kiss fan as I am and have been, I don't think I've ever read any of their comic books. And they've had a number of them. They're like, we were talking last week about Hello Kitty. They're like the Hello Kitty of rock bands. So yeah, I, they've had comic books for a long time, among other products and services. I don't think I'm missing out. <laughs> no. Uh, they put out other comic books. Whenever they did the reunion, they put out comic books around the Psycho Circus. And I remember my friend Dale had the comics. And I remember flipping through it and trying to trying to read it and saying, nothing about, as much as I like Kiss, nothing about this is interesting to me at all. You know, they're, they're characters, but they're super duper thinly built. Because they're not yeah. characters. They're just meant to be the visual imagery with a tiny, goofy backstory each. It's not like there's a depth of material to build on, you know? 
Right. I think after you've seen Kiss Meets the Phantom in the Park, every story that you could possibly tell has been told. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yes. So uh, on July the 1st, the first sports writer to get punched by a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> what month in 1970 to 1979 was that, Bill? <laughs> no, it wasn't in the 70s. It was, no. uh, you know, it was... Uh, 1892, July 1st, 1892, the outfielder for the Chicago Cubs, Jimmy Ryan, punches George Betchel right in the mouth. Wow. And I'm going to guess George Betchel was like, he had on a bowler hat and he had like a big like walrusy mustache. He was like, and he'd been writing terrible things in a newspaper like, Mr. Jimmy Ryan with his dapper pants has been unable to capture the ball at any time during the game. And then pow, like old timey boxing punch. Right in the right in the kisser, and then he just like harumphed his way across the field. <laughs> I also imagine that uh, Jimmy, the baseball player, has a cigar in his mouth for the entire time that he's alive. Jimmy Ryan, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He looks exactly like I thought he would look. Yeah, he's got he's got like his arms folded again. I, 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 he was a bit of a tough ass, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, and, well, that was the first time, but it wasn't the only time that he punched a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was having trouble at home. I look at the picture of him at, at Wikipedia, and he looks like somebody would have a hit and wrench. <laughs> I'm gonna get my hit and wrench, and like <laughs> somebody, somebody will just de- definitely take it to you if you look at him the wrong way. And, and it looks like no matter which way you look at him, it's yeah. gonna be the wrong way. Yeah, you could just see him like starting to like take off his belt, right? Right. And then the, the second incident was in 1896, where he punched a train conductor. <laughs> Punch a train conductor after losing his place and his teammates had gone to bed. So they were like on on route to another, you know, another game right, right. down the road and he just got pissed and he punched a train conductor in the mush. Yep. Nice. Sounds like a guy who had a ton of friends. That <laughs> <laughs> sort of dude you want to go out with after the game. Yep. Uh, throw down a few beers because it's going to be clobbering time. The uh, the manager, uh, Captain Arson there, stopped, stopped the fun, as he put it. <laughs> nice. Yep. Never, never get into a fight with your Uber driver, as uh, yeah. as my mom used to tell me. Yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely words to live by. I think that was first written in by Abner Doubleday when he was building the rules <laughs> for baseball. All right, let's get on to the next day, July the second. What do you got? Hey, speaking of the eighteen hundreds, in eighteen forty three, uh, July second, eighteen forty three, an alligator <laughs> falls from the sky during a thunderstorm in Charlestown, South Carolina. Oh, what? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, wait, say that again, because it's this is what I thought you said. An alligator fell from the sky. That's what I thought you said. That's exactly what I said. An alligator <laughs> fell from the sky during a thunderstorm in Charlestown, South Carolina. You don't have to believe me, because I have the article from the from the Times-Picayune that <laughs> describes it as it happened. Are we ready? Now, wait, what state did you say this is? Charlestown, South Carolina. Isn't that, like, right around the same place where that nuclear bomb fell? Couple, Remember we yeah. talked about that a yes. couple of weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, I think it is. Yes. They definitely have a, a, a problem with stuff falling from the sky. Imagine if it's the same people. What a week I'm having! You know, since it's 1843, there's probably no plane going by with somebody trying to adjust their seat and accidentally discharging the alligator. <laughs> oh, we dropped the alligator. Oh, man. We're, there's going to be so much paperwork for this. Oh, Carl, I got bad news. I, I accidentally sat down on the alligator deployment button <laughs> i don't even know why we have that <laughs> yeah so 1843 and and it was described as thus in the times picayune sunday week was a terrible day for its heat in charlestown south carolina according to all its editors but towards the night the oppressiveness of the weather was relieved by a thunderstorm of which and a ludicrous incident connected therewith the mercury gives the following account the thunderstorm of sunday night the winding up of one of the most oppressive days ever inflicted on mortal man was really terrific 
The whole firmament growled thunder and shot lightning. It was blinding to look out, and at frequent intervals the thunderbolts burst overhead with a power that shook the solidest structures, then rolled with angry growlings along the wings of the storm. St. Paul's Church was struck but not seriously injured. Beyond this, we have heard of no casualty unless we may account as such the raining down of an alligator of about two feet long at the corner of Wentworth and Anson Streets. Let's unpack this for a second here. I'm thinking Gus, right? Gus, the, yep. the the crazy guy that lives down the street from you. Yes. Gus had been sitting on this joke for months. And, <laughs> and he built himself an alligator catapult. I think that you, you're, you're onto something. When that lightning bolt struck the church, he released the gator and just boom, and then Chompy goes flying through the air and lands on somebody's front porch. Yeah. The article continues. We have not been lucky enough to find anyone who saw him come down, but the important fact that he was there is incontestable. So I think that that lends a tremendous amount of credence to the alligator catapult theory of yours, Bill. Yep. Nobody saw it come down, but Gus has an alibi. That's all him. Right. Ironically enough, all the neighborhood chickens <laughs> disappeared not long after the thunderstorm. It doesn't say that the alligator survived the fall, does it? It does not. I'm going to guess it did. Alligators are pretty hardy. I would assume so. They've been around for millions of years. All right. (laughs) The worst song ever. Uh, Jeff. I know. This is a a special one for you, Uh, Bill. This one's all. This is the all Bill. I don't. uh, Worst song ever. I don't know if you have any songs at your disposal that you can think of. They have your name in the title. Fortunately, there are none that have my I'm, name I'm, in the title. I'm sure there's one somewhere that there's like a Jeff song somewhere. It, it, your Songs with your name in the title don't make it to freaking number one, do they? It's true. Okay? I have the luxury of having many songs <laughs> with my name in the title. You know, whenever you're a little kid, I think I was like five years old, right? I, I, I don't like being teased now. I certainly didn't like it then. And there was this freaking song. <laughs> Billy, okay. Don't Be a Hero. Yeah. By... Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. And I think somebody else, too. Yeah, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. You freaking leave me alone with that damn song. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody would like, you know, oh, and this is Billy. Oh, Billy, Don't Be a Hero. Oh, God. So wait, hold on. Before we go, I'll I'll forget if I don't do it right now. Here's the clip. Here's uh-huh. here's my childhood wrapped up in a ball just to annoy the hell out of you. Every single freaking day of kindergarten, I had that song sung to me. Oh. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. So the song, all right, so the song that we just played is by a band called Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Yes. Hey, would you fuck off? <laughs> so they uh, they started in 1965 out out of Cincinnati. I, I think they were discovered touring as an opening act for the Osmond Brothers, which. I don't know where they would be, but they, they ended up on like family family town records or family friendly records or something. It's, yeah, red flag number one. It's definitely a record label that caters to the Osmond's audience. Right. 
Mormons. So, yeah, they put out one album with that record label called Someone Special. So that came out in, like, 72. So here they're, they're around for, like, seven years. I don't know what else they were doing, but they weren't making hits. Nope. So in 1974, they said, hey, uh, here's this song over in England called Billy Don't Be a Hero by a band called... Paper Lace. Paper Lace had this number one song over in England, but it didn't chart in the States. Uh, Bo and company said, hey, let's cash in on that meal ticket. Right. And it's not like Paper Lace was like an unheard of band. Unknown. Right. Yeah, they already had a hit in the U.S. with uh, The Night Chicago Died. Right, yeah. It's really funny. If you go over to Spotify and you look at uh, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, if you look at their top five songs, number one, you have Billy Don't Be a Hero. Number two is their follow-up song, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? Uh, And number three is also Billy Don't Be a Hero. And, and the other two are just like some other songs. But the, the punchline of this, while I was looking up the, uh, the the line notes for the show and all that, is Paper Lace. If you go to their Spotify, number one is uh, The Night Chicago Died. Chicago Died. Number yep. two is The Night Chicago Died. Number three is Billy <laughs> Don't Be a Hero. Number four, The Night Chicago Died. And number five is also Billy Don't Be a Hero. <laughs> what surprised me was that like Paper Lace had a hit with this song in the U.S. too. Yeah. It was like just a few weeks later or a few weeks before it had gone to like number four, right? So I, I feel like bad for Casey Kasem, who at, at the tender age of 150 in 1974, right? Four years into uh, American uh, American Top 40, he had to he had to like, and climbing the charts, it's uh, Billy, don't be a hero. Where have I, where have I heard that title before? <laughs> Wasn't this on the charts like two weeks ago? What the hell? Yeah, I think- this is ponderous, man. This is ponderous. How are we going to come out of a up-tempo record and talk about a dog dying right and and have one of his sort of legendarily recorded insane rants <laughs> but it must have, it must have been one of those things that drove him up the, up the wall when bands did this and this was like super duper common in the 1970s and it's it's one of those story songs like we always like you know lament about yeah. you know uh the, the army recruiters are going down the street and billy's over there thinking hey that's a good idea and this is 1974 so like vietnam it's kind of in its last legs but vietnam is still a thing you know right so billy goes off to war and billy ends up dying in said war and his fiance gets a letter saying that billy died a hero and she was like fucking told you so told you right. so didn't i and she ends up throwing the letter away and you know for such a dark song it's got a really peppy, upbeat kind of. It's got all flutes and stuff like that. At the yeah, beginning. yeah, you can thank you can thank the Brits for that because Paperless was a British band, the ones that originally did this, and everything that they did sounded like Herman's Hermits, and it didn't matter what the topic of the song was. Right, and I think that's because that's what British pop music was like at the time. So everything sounded like someone tells me I'm into something good, and it's. You know, a Dear John letter to a guy on a battlefield. but <laughs> That's like uh, Steve Martin says you can't write a depressing song on the banjo. It's like, yeah. and death, destruction, and hate, and war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bo Donaldson, or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, yep. Bo, yeah. They they go into like the Don Johnson school of uh, record things. And Paper Lace wasn't much better. Where they release one album, a uh, second album. And then a Greatest Hits album, so you don't yep. need to buy the other two. And the Greatest Hits are the first two songs on side one. <laughs> and then everything and everything else is just the filler tracks from the other two records. With so, real yeah. wide spaces in between the songs. 
<laughs> what surprises me too about this is like I can see you know we've talked about like Terry Jacks right doing Seasons of the Sun which was originally in French yes right and we've we've talked about like major well we haven't talked about it as a war song ever but it's come up as like Major Tom which was originally in German right or 99 Love Balloons which is originally in German but this one was done in English it was like and it was only a month old and it was already being covered here and you know what else too about having your name in a song not all that long before that, like a couple of years, was that song, The Wedding Bell Blues, Come on and marry me, Bill. You know, I got that. Yeah. Billy, don't, uh, uh, Billy, don't lose that number. Uh, That's a good song, though. And, and it, it gives you helpful advice, Bill. Yeah, 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 exactly. Don't lose that number. And then this song over here, Billy, don't be a hero. This is a lot of pressure to be putting on a little kid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Come on and marry me, Bill. It's like, I'm five years old. Right. I just want to watch Captain Kangaroo. Leave me the hell alone. I don't want to be a hero for anybody. Yep. I want to be an innocent bystander. Yeah, I'm good. I won't be a hero. I promise. Just leave me the f*** alone. (laughs) All right. But that's going to wrap up the show for this week. We will see you back here in roughly seven days. Say goodnight, Jeff. Hey, goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, Jeff. Goodnight, everybody. All right. Bye, guys. Special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook and Instagram at Twibly, or T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Subscribe if you haven't already, and tell your friends. They probably need a cool podcast to listen to as well. And if you don't like this week's episode, there'll be one next week, and it'll probably be better. <laughs>